Attention. The National Weather Service has issued a hurricane warning for the entirety of the National Hockey League. Please stay tuned for further information from the Storm Cellar. Welcome back to the Storm Cellar. Brad Rayer here. We have a special guest, a, v- a very cool special guest, uh, Go Wolfpack. Ray, <laughs> I'm so glad we beat Arizona because after the semi-meltdown of the trade deadline, had we lost to Arizona in any way, I worry greatly about our fan base. But yeah, a 6-1 win. The ghost bear is here and scores on the, the three power play goals. I mean, we'll talk about this later, but three power play goals in one game, one of them for the new guy. Like, it, it's hard to feel upset, right? Well, it was only three of four, though, Brad. So come on now. Yes, not I saw enough. you were very upset that we did not go four <laughs> for four on the power play. Yeah. The, look, Even though we have like, um, three power play goals in like January, but that, yeah, what, well, you know. Yeah, that was completely like that, in jest. I'm hoping no one <laughs> thought that that tweet was actual literal belief on my part i was very happy and uh lots to be you know lots to be happy about there's as far as the trade deadline goes are we really happy well we're not gonna know that until june you know so we'll we'll find that out later on in the season hopefully not yeah 100 percent so there's lots to talk about, lots to break down, but you know the deal, Brad. We always start with our guests, and we are honored to have Sam Overton in the, uh, you know, in the storm cellar with the storm dwellers. Uh, we're glad that you joined us. Take a seat there, Sam. Tell us all about yourself. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Sam Overton. I am currently in my senior year at NC State in Raleigh, Go Pack, and I'm the managing editor at The Technician, which is our student newspaper. I've been there since my freshman year, and I am currently the Carolina Hurricanes beat writer, so I go to a lot of the games, try to go to as many as possible that will allow me, my schedule allows me as a college student. But other than that, for the paper, I'm also the swim and dive beat writer, um, and I cover a variety of things happening on campus. But this this year, I've really been focused on covering the Canes because our sports editor graduated. So, um, but yeah, so I'm really excited to be on the podcast today. This is going to be great. And Brad, right off the top, we're going to jump off. Uh, we always lay out our schedule, what we want to talk about and stuff. But very quickly, Sam, before we get into how you became a Kaniac. I have to ask you because your your wolf pack surely you were there for the stadium series. I mean, I want to just say thank you because I was there. It was my first college, you know, US college experience to be in Carter Finley. Uh, the band was outstanding. The dance team, everyone, the spirit of the Wolf Pack was there through and through, and it was captivating. It was awesome. I wanted to get your take. I mean, certainly you have to feel great about how well NC State repped during that game. Yeah, I mean, it was, and I covered it um, for the paper, so I didn't go as a fan. I had a lot of friends who did. And I was kind of happy to like, you know, there's a little part of me that miss, misses like the fan experience, but it was really nice to cover it. But 
it was um I mean the, the buildup even on campus like not just in Raleigh was immeasurable I mean still like on campus they still have the little like lamppost banners that say stadium series and I was like I'm not sure if they're ever going to take them down to be honest because it was such a huge event and all of I mean to have the band there was incredible to see Ripken uh, or T-Dog was just something else. Everybody everybody on campus loves Ripken. I think those are some of the biggest cheers that you get at a football game. Me too. Ripken, I'm, I'm not lying. This is not hyperbole at all. When, he, when Ripken dropped the puck, I cried. I love dogs. And that experience was just amazing. I loved every aspect of it. It was so great. Yeah, Rifkin is just, he's, he, yeah, so that was, I mean, it was just so great how they incorporated a lot of, like, the student football experience into hockey, because I think that, obviously, like, the tailgating and all that was super cool, and a lot of people in Raleigh who are Canes fans are also NC State fans, so that Democrat, I don't believe the same color, too, so it wasn't hard to, you know, show up wearing the right outfit, but um, it was just incredible from start to finish, an unforgettable night. I went to bed, I think, at like 3 a.m., to be honest with you. It was just, it was something else. And and to add on to that real quick, so I, I you kind of followed up already, you know, with the atmosphere on campus, because it would not, so I went to C State back in the mid-90s. I lived in Beckton. We were still playing at Reynolds Coliseum, and we blew the roof off of that place with wins over, I think, Duke that year at home. And I can't remember if we beat UNC or not, but I mean, I just remember the vibe. Like, it, you know, Wolfpack fans are a diehard group. And I say that to say this 26,000 people for NC State UNC club hockey is as big as the stadium series was on a national level. 26,000 people showing up for a club hockey game, which is more than any NHL stadium can hold, you know, any, any NHL arena can hold, is just phenomenal for the state of hockey in North Carolina. Yeah, and and I mean, seeing the numbers on that was just crazy because I'm sure you saw the numbers that it was bigger than Frozen uh, Fenway. Like there were more people there than at mm-hmm. uh, Frozen Fenway games, which was just crazy to think about, you know, so many people showing up. But Ice Pack at NC State is a big deal. I think, um, given that Carolina is close by, they practice out of his line where Carolina also practices. I mean, it's it's a it's a big deal. And um, although they are doing quite as well this season as they did last season, unfortunately, the record's a little bit worse. I think that there's such a great hockey culture at NC State and in like North Carolina as a whole, obviously, and Raleigh. But um, there was no doubt that that ice pack game was going to be something else. And that was also coming off the heels of us beating UNC at PNC, which was like, it was just a great weekend all around for sports. So it was, it was phenomenal. So Sam, now we, uh, of course, got you to introduce yourself and so forth, but now we turn the floor over to you because here in the storm cellar, it's all about how people became Kaniacs and jerks like Brad and I, and no matter where you are in the world, uh, you have a story and certainly you do, and we want to hear it. Tell us everything that made you a Kaniac through and through. Favorite players, if you have them, just lay it all out for us. We need to hear the story. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, well, let's see. My Both my parents went to NC State, grew up in Raleigh. 
or not grew up in Raleigh, but stayed in Raleigh mostly after graduation. And uh, they were just huge Canes fans, have been for a really long time. Um, I was born in 2002, uh, and that was the year that they went to the finals of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Fortunately, did not win. But um, my parents and so my nickname as a kid was Sammy, spelled S-A-M-I. My full name's Samantha. They didn't they didn't give me like Sammy as my government name, which would have been really funny. But basically, they liked the nickname Sammy from Sammy Kapanen so much that they decided to name me Samantha, and they nicknamed me Sammy for the first. I it was like thirteen, I think, until I was thirteen. I went by Sammy, and That's I awesome. Thank you. And in high school, um, like first day of high school, the teacher called on me, like attendant Samantha, and I decided in the blink of the moment that I was going to change it to Sam. I was like, I want to go by Sam now. And I didn't really, I think in ninth grade, I wasn't super aware. I don't think I was a huge Canes fan uh, at that point. So I wasn't really aware of the background <laughs> of my name. And so I came home and I told my parents, I was like, hey, I want to start going by Sam now. And my dad was so sad. And I was like, I was like, why? You know, it's and and there, you know, there's the whole like my little girl saying, you know, sure. not, yeah, doesn't want to change the name. But I also realized as I got older, I was like, it's kind of a cool name and it's a cool story. So I still like to tell that story, um, even though I don't go by Sammy anymore. But my journey as a caniac, I think, began in high school. And because as a as like a younger kid, I was more into baseball and softball and swimming. Um, those were kind of my three big sports. I really, I still love baseball. Uh, even though a lot of people, it's 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 very weird to be like a really big baseball fan and a really big hockey fan because they're about as different as you can get. But um, I really enjoyed baseball. And it wasn't until I, yeah, like middle of high school that I really started to enjoy hockey a lot. My sister, my little sister was actually way into it, way before I was. She like knew all the names of the players and she would, when she was in high school, she would save up her money and like buy like front row tickets to a game. And she would milk that experience for all she got. She got a stick signed by Brady Shea at one of those games. Like she, it was just, it was, she would really, she would go, all in for that but it wasn't really until COVID I think and you know because there's not much to do except sit around and watch the the hockey games with no audience that that were going on and that was also you know coming off of a rough period for Canes I think you know like 2017 2018 2019 they were kind of finally getting over those that rough year in the early 20 those rough that rough period in the early 2010s and um I just really started to fall in love with the sport. And um, my parents, again, always fostered that love of hockey within me. They went to the Stanley Cup finals in 2006, um, which is really cool. And I will always be upset that I didn't go, even though I was, I think I was probably three at that point. (laughs) I probably wouldn't have liked it very much, but um, I really started to enjoy Canes. And then last year, I started to cover games for technician to a couple with a sports editor and the rest is kind of history. And, and now I'm here and I cover it and I know more about hockey than I could ever dream in my entire life. 
And I think being a member of the press comes with some really, really cool privileges in that regard because I get like the NHL PR emails. I get like the morning skate newsletter, which has like every stat imaginable (laughs) from the night before. So I kind of just get to pick up on that knowledge. So, Um, and then favorite players. I have to admit, I am a big, big, big Auntie Ronta fan. He is probably my He's probably my favorite player right now. I'm wearing a stall or I'm wearing a stall jersey. I'm a big fan of Jordan Stall, obviously, but um, Auntie Ranta is my phone lock screen. Big fan of him. I just like every time that I've talked to him as a member of the press, he's always been super, super nice. Because sometimes you go into the locker room after a game and those guys just clear out of there. They do not want to talk to you, especially after a loss. But Ronta has always been super, super nice. Brady Shea has always been really nice. He's just a stand-up guy. Um, and they're, they're just, yeah, super fun to watch. I'm really excited to see how playoffs is going to go this year. But it's just been – it's been really fun. And I think it's there's a great benefit to cheering for the second-best team in the league also. <laughs> so, yeah. Sam, that's that's, that's great. That is amazing. And uh, – in, in in my history, I've had a chance to be in an NHL locker room as well, and uh, interviewed a few NHL greats and things in my life. I want. Do you have a a great individual story that you'd like to share at all? Because I think when you go in there the first time, it can be a little overwhelming, right? Like, and it, my game were always pregame interviews right and so there's you know journalists everywhere and you're looking to fit in and get your mic in there on something or maybe you want to find some uh, another individual maybe you've got a great experience for for us i'm really interested yeah absolutely so obviously a lot of my experience is very recent and one thing that i noticed when i was starting to cover canes is that there are barely any women on press row which stinks because, you know, obviously women are a big part of hockey and um, a big part of covering hockey. Obviously you have Hannah and uh, down in the, for Valley Sports, like she's down interviewing the players, but there are few uh, female journalists on press row. So it was a little bit intimidating There's those first few times to be surrounded by like all these people who knew way more than me about hockey and like me being the only woman to go into the locker room and all that stuff. But I've gained confidence over the past few months, which has really like come out in certain aspects. And I think the most recent example of that was, um, oh, it was after a game that Ronta was in goal. I think it was Montreal Canadiens, like right before stadium series. I, yeah, he was in goal for that because that was right. Yeah. So um, he and he did a great job. I mean, obviously, the big focus was on Jarvis's hat trick. So we had all talked to him. He's a really funny guy to talk to. He he curses like there is no tomorrow. Like he does not care that a microphone is in front of him. He will say whatever <laughs> he wants. But um, I was so after we all talked to Jarvis, I noticed that Ronta was just like doing his thing over in the corner. He was taking off his pads. He was kind of get he was un getting unready after a big game and and nobody was talking to him. And again, I said how much I love him. So I went, I went over to him and I was like, hey, like, how's, how's it going? And and I just started to talk to him. And it was kind of the, one of the first times I had 
taken the initiative to go talk to a player myself. Obviously kind of intimidating to be surrounded by all these people. And there were a lot of people at that game because it was the last home game before um, Stadium Series. So like everybody was in town already. And I started talking to Ronta and I asked him a few questions. And then within seconds, I noticed that like I'm surrounded by a crowd of like cameras and lights and reporters because everybody had followed me to him. And that was like a super cool moment because I was like, wow, like I got to, like I led everybody to this player and these questions that I ask him are going to be, you know, prompts, you know, for these, for these reporters to build off of. And it was just, it was a really cool moment because it was just something I hadn't experienced before. And it's cool to be a leader in that sense, you know, because it's, it's hard to kind of stake your claim in such a big bustling environment. So. And can't even also, tell you like I can't even tell you how happy I am for you because you. that's an amazing experience for you to have no question awesome awesome sorry I had to interrupt because that no, was that was fantastic continue because I know you've got more no worries thank you so much and I was just going to add at the end that night because there were so many reporters I was kind of at the edge and I was holding my phone in, like trying to, you know, I think we were talking to Seth Jarvis, like everybody was just obviously really crowded around him, but I was like holding my phone and Trip Tracy was right behind me. And he's like, he's, he's not the tallest, you know, he's about my height. He's not really a tall guy. So I was kind of like trying to like, let him have some room. But when he pulled his phone back, it hit my face. And he was like, he was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He was just really sweet about it. But I was like, it's all good. Like tons of people here. It's, it's you know, no worries at all, but really crowded that night. So Trip Tracy did hit me in the face with his phone. But like, it was well, yeah. you should have gotten a hat out of that. A yeah. Hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great segue. So to the question I originally had. Um, so I was fortunate enough to be a sports editor for an online um, site here in Boston. So I've covered things like the bean pot, uh, principally as a photographer. Um, so I was expected to write, which is not my forte. Um, but and I noticed kind of the same thing, right? There were no women photographers covering the event. I was supposed to shoot Frozen Fenway in 2010 uh, and wasn't able to for a personal issue. Um, I've covered BU, BC hockey outside of like bean pot, um, covered Harvard hockey. And you, you kind of you kind of gave a lot of information already, great information. So, in addition to being one of the few women, and it sounds like possibly even the only woman in the locker room for some of those, um, also being a college student, you're on the younger side. And it sounds like Seth Jarvis isn't a problem; he just says whatever's on his mind. Um, but do you find that other players, or even so, me working for an online magazine, I got treated a little differently than people who worked for bigger publications and things, except for Steve, the Bruins photographer who was phenomenal. And it basically was like, Hey, let me kind of really help you through these first couple of days shooting at the garden. Um, but do you find that you get treated differently than by, by both the players or the other, um, the other members of the press um, because possibly because you're a woman or because you're just on the younger side, just, you know, cause you're still in college. Right. Yeah, I think those two things don't always work out in my favor, for sure. Um, yeah, I will not name names, but there are definitely reporters on Press Row who have not, and not necessarily like not been nice or anything, but they don't initiate conversation or anything like that, or don't get a chance to know me when I want to say like, hey, like I know that the work I'm doing here is not as significant as like Raleigh's newspaper. You know, we don't have a very big readership for our online content when it comes to 
Canes because there are just a lot of other great places to get that, you know, information. But I and and I've made a lot of great relationships with people on Press Row. Uh, Corey Lavalent is um, really awesome. He he writes for the North State Journal and he's always on Press Row. He's usually the one asking the questions in the locker room because he just knows so much about hockey. But him and like Walt Ruff, who's the Canes team reporter, is really they're both really awesome. So I definitely like have a good experience typically in press row, but I do find that sometimes like I have to, I have to, it's fake it till you make it. Right. So even if I don't always know what I'm doing, like stadium series was super chaotic because I didn't really know where to go, but I also had the benefit of being a student and knowing my way around Parker Finley. So I was like, okay, this is behind section, whatever. I know where that is. I know where to go. This is where the locker room is. I got this. It was kind of, it's kind of a fake it till you make it situation when it comes to being on press row, but um, it's 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 challenging at times, but I think it's rewarding mostly um, in that regard. And when it comes to the players specifically, I don't think that any of them have ever treated me differently, which has been really nice. Like I, I know that when I walk into the locker room and I ask them a question, like they're going to treat me like they would any other reporter. That can be a good thing or a bad thing depending on their mood but um I've never had a bad experience with any player in that regard and I will say that like some some players are better interviewees than others I love Tavo Teravainen but gosh he just does he just does not give good answers for <laughs> for reporters questions we're like hey Tavo like how is the game how are you feeling he's like good very good like that I was like Right. <laughs> As a non-journalist, seeing you know his answers to things, though he's hilarious. I mean, he's he's so dry and sardonic in that way. It's it's like you know, you know, they ask him about his hat. You know, the one that comes up. You know, it's just a hat that fits my head. As a journalist, you got to be like, come on, dude. But as everybody else, you're like, that's really funny. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah Table is is one of the ones that you just you know when he has a great game, you can tell. Like even in all the storm surges, he wants off the ice immediately. He doesn't want to celebrate. He doesn't want to, he's very business focused. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I can understand that uh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be frustrating for sure. But uh, some people are wired that way. Introverts. Uh, some people are more outgoing like Seth Jarvis, right? Like uh, I'm, I'm waiting for turbo to say one time when he's asked a question, he, for him to turn to Seth and say, well, what do you think, Seth? How about you answer this one? Because I don't want to like, that's probably something in his repertoire. He's waiting to hold on to that. It just, uh, I don't know, but that's fantastic. I'm just hearing in your voice, the excitement, but the total confidence that you have, even when you have said like there was a struggle at times or whatever, that's to be expected for anyone going into those locker rooms at the first time. And this, what I want to ask you is separating journalism from fandom can be very, very hard. Were there times where like in those initial spots, those first couple of ones where maybe you're a little starstruck or were you right into it right off the bat? I can tell you where I was. I was so scared 
doing mine and very, very, and I came up with some brutal questions, which a couple of the guys were nice enough to understand. I've never seen you in here before. You're a kid. I'll answer it and we'll get used to it. Right. But that isn't always the case, you know, like sometimes they can be, uh, uh, there's a couple of players that I've spoken to that were pretty vicious. Right. So what, what, what was it like for you? Was, was there a little bit of, uh, I don't know, fandom sneaking in? Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is something that we have to tell writers for the paper whenever they go to any like NC State event or Kings game, or we used to cover NCFC, which is the football club in North Carolina. And we have to tell them like, you can't cheer when your team scores. And it's really, really hard because every, especially, especially in, the, in an environment that's as electric as PNC Arena on a Saturday night when the Canes are playing, against like, you know, even even a, a team that may not be as good that season, it takes everything in you as a Kaniac not to jump up and, and, you know, be really, really excited about it. Or, you know, the other way around, I covered uh, the game against the Rangers uh, when they lost 6-2 at PNC on a Saturday night. And that was like, it was, you know, you kind of just have to get out of your own head a little bit when it comes to that kind of stuff. And when it comes to the players, I think that it's it's a lot it's a lot easier with players like Jarvis because he's he's my age. He's a little bit older than me. He's my age. Smash is not that much older than I am. Aho is not that much older than I am. So even though these guys are really, really good, like I'm like they're I could I could be in class with them theoretically. You know what I mean? Like no. These guys, and especially Jarvis, because he's just a goofy individual. And he was, he loves, I always ask him a question. I'm like, did you take a nap today? And he's like, of course I did. What do you think? And he <laughs> loves his nap. But um, like with those guys, it's, you know, it's a little bit easier to have more casual conversations with them. Even, But even with the older guys, like I'm thinking like Ronta and Martinuk and um, gosh, Brady Shea even. A lot of them are just super nice. And so that really takes the edge off, I think, that a lot of them are just, they're just all nice guys. I don't think that there's anybody too abrasive. There are people that won't talk to you as much as you'd like. Like I said, Turbo and uh, Frederick Anderson, God bless him. He just does, he does not like to talk <laughs> to reporters at all. But, um, but some of them, like, you know, have a little bit of banter. Like, I remember when Kachekov was having his incredible month back in December, and he, he barely, he can barely speak English, so it sucks, but we can't talk to him, and we don't want to make Svetch, like, be his translator. So we, but, but Jesperi, Cook, and Yemi basically was, like, uh, the, he kind of joked to us as reporters, he's like, you should go talk to that guy over there, and he was pointing at Kachekov, but of course we couldn't, because, you know, he doesn't yeah. speak a lot of English, but... <laughs> I think that um, just the whole atmosphere of the Canes locker room makes it so that I'm not feeling as intimidated or starstruck, I think, on a certain level, because it's just very friendly. It's very, it's definitely chaotic. There's a lot happening. Sometimes there are kids running around. I don't even know who's kids. And, but it's just, <laughs> it's, an, it's a nice environment, um, more so if they win than when they lose, but obviously, but I was, you know, there's not really a player or a group of players that I ever feel like I can't talk to if they're in the locker room, which is just really nice. So, 
That's awesome. And I wonder too, if we always talk about small market teams and their fans and the connection that you have to have there. I wonder if that kind of bleeds through too, because, you know, going back to my previous experience, you know, covering the Bruins sometimes, Boston, you know, I'm, I would shoot for a local online place at the time, right? I'm surrounded by guys, you know, ESPN, New York times, you know, Boston Herald, Boston globe. And I'm a little fish, right? I'm a nobody. I'm, you know, they're happy to, you know, all but push me out of the way. And so I wonder too, if, because it's the hurricanes and it's not the Maple Leafs, if there isn't some of that small town connection, you know, it's a little bit more of a friendly atmosphere. It's not that it's not professional, but you know, the, the, the Canes, you know, they stop and sign autographs on the way out. Like you can't do that in big cities. Like that's just not a thing. So I wonder if that plays into it some. And, and also just from, you mentioned Freddie Anderson as being somebody who maybe is a little bit shorter with the answers. Um, hockey being different in my opinion, than maybe like football where you have so many people from different cultures, particularly from overseas where you have to kind of understand like, you know, and particularly with like Scandinavian cultures, like they tend to be, a little more reserved, right? They're not overly friendly. And also some of these guys, that's their personality or some of them kind of learn it, but you have to kind of know a little bit who you're talking to, you know, so you almost like you don't take it personally, like, oh, this guy never gives me a good answer. And it's like, well, that's just because, you know, he just comes from a culture and it's short and to the point. And that's, you know, that's just kind of the way it is. So I, I, I would imagine for a younger reporter that the Hurricanes beat is probably an excellent place to cut your teeth because it's, like I said, it's not that it's not a professional. I mean, because it is obviously it's, you know, it's still big time environment, but it, it's still, you know, there's, there's that, there's that special connection once again, between like the fans and by fans, I mean, the people of the city. So not just Hurricanes fans, but people who cover the Canes and people who live and work in the area and the team that, that probably gives you a little bit more of a, um, it's a Southern thing too, right? Like a, there's more of a Southern vibe to it where it's a little more yeah. conversational maybe than it might be in some other locker rooms. Yeah. And, and I love, and it's, I, th- I thank you for bringing up the whole Southern aspect of it. I think that there's a lot of, I was, I recently did a project like relating to the NHL.com website where I was doing a lot of research and, you know, the NHL commissioner got a lot of flack for bringing the NHL into Southern markets, especially in like the West or like West Coast markets. And obviously those teams have a little bit smaller fan base in some regard, but I really, I do think that there's kind of like a, like, like, yeah, like a small town, even though Raleigh and North Carolina definitely is not small. um, It's not, you know, there's, there's no, like, it's not like Canada. It's not like Boston where you have like all these big time, um, college teams like it's literally nc state and unc (laughs) you know those are like the two club teams that are doing really well but like beyond that there's it's just i think i think of carolina as a perfect middle ground between like these northern teams that have really like huge dedicated not only fan bases because obviously caniac they're far span far and wide but you know, they have these really dedicated areas where it's just a lot of hockey and uh, you like you have those northern teams and then you have like these southern and these western teams that maybe people assume have a smaller fan base because why the heck would you play hockey in Arizona? You know, like all that kind of stuff. So I think of Carolina as kind of like North Carolina is the perfect middle ground for all of that. And it's definitely a, I think it's I really love this state. Um, I think I, do, I don't intend on living 
many other to and many other places though it's just I just really enjoy the the atmosphere and it's it's a great you know place for hockey I think and they've done a really good job of expanding the franchise and the the young canes the young hurricanes practice at Invisalign Arena and all that kind of stuff and yeah so I just it's a great atmosphere for all that it ab- it absolutely is having a chance to witness it myself it was uh it was now you can tell there's a vibe there and they're all in and they're enjoying it for sure uh you've shared some great insight but now it's time we got to take on some pretty difficult topics here sam this is going to be a little <laughs> bit difficult and it always is around the trade deadline um lots of things have happened and didn't happen and there are a lot of people perhaps up in arms. So I'll let you start out. What do you think? I'm putting you on the spot, but you're a pro now, so you should be able to handle it. Um, look, how did how did the Hurricanes do at the trade deadline? What were I you mean, looking for? How do you, how do you think they did? I think they did. I personally, I know that some people were surprised at how, you know, there are only two kind of these two like block blockbuster trades, if you want to call them that. They weren't really even that huge. But I think that uh, Don Waddle just does, he does an incredible job of keeping those trades under wraps and keeping them like effective and cost effective, especially for the Hurricanes. And given like, you know, losing Max Pacioretty was a big blow. And I think that, you know, Carolina was definitely looking to fill some gaps in by the trade deadline, like see if there's anything there that can be patched. But um, I mean, we're still a 40 win team without him, you know, for those, you know, even with those two weeks. So I think that we made, I think that the the trades were good. I can't think of anything in particular that like I would have preferred to see. I remember there being some rumblings of a, a Meyer Seth Jarvis trade. And I remember that same night that I saw those rumblings, that was when he scored his hat trick. And I was like, yeah, I don't think he's going away anytime soon. I'm like, I don't think that that's going to be a real possibility. So, um, and, and after, you know, Friday night's game, I think that uh, go to spare is, is a great, great addition to the team, obviously. And, and he talked about too, after the game of the post game quotes, he talked about how weird it was playing against his team of literally like two weeks ago you know, playing against those guys for the first time, but he, he scored that power play goal. They were really solid with him on the power play. And I'm really excited to see what Yessi has in store. I think he's going through like visa problems right now. And that's why he hasn't played with them yet, but uh, it's just, I, I'm excited. And I'm also glad on a personal level, not to see any of my favorite players go. And that's a little bit more selfish, but I am glad, glad I had to, I didn't have to deal with the reality of like, Seth Jarvis leaving. You know what I mean? So what do you guys think? I'll let Brad jump in. I'm I'm pretty loquacious myself. So Brad, you you, you get the next shot. Me? Yeah? No, um, not, never. So I, I was all in on Timo. I was hoping they would go for Timo. I was fine giving up Jarvis um if Timo was signed to an extension, because Jarvis could certainly be that guy. But you don't know. And Timo is that guy today. And, and as tough as that is, that's the reality. Um, mm-hmm. When when GM Don Waddell said, and I forgot who he was, whose podcast he was on, but he said, you know, we're looking to bring patches back next year. 
And in my mind, I said, that changes everything because what that means is all these other people whose name that came up, Lynn Holmes and the um, Tafalis and everybody all have term, but he's already said like he wants to bring patches back next year. So he doesn't, he, he needs somebody as a rental at this point. Right. So when Meyer went to New Jersey, it's a bummer. And and I know some people are like, we couldn't have offered that. We, we could have offered probably more than they had, but it takes two to tango. So they wanted the highest, you know, picks and things that they could get. And that's probably going to be from New Jersey. It's the same reason we weren't in on Bo Horvat. They all but said, we want the highest number, you know, first round pick we can get. That's going to be the Islanders, not Carolina. Pretty assuredly. I mean, not, it's not guaranteed, but that's, you know, if you're going to bet, that's the way you bet. Um, I didn't want Patrick Kane. Uh, he went to New York. He was a negative four. Um, that could turn around, right? It's, it's first, you know, first couple of days with a new team, but it's not somebody I was in on. All the other moves that he could have potentially made are also ran moves, right? Meyer was the move. That's what he wanted. I think it was pretty clear that that's what he wanted. It fell through. So then he stuck with, you know, you know, is it to folder somebody? Do, do they make us better? Yeah, probably some. But it's certainly not a move like the Meyer move would have been. And so then you got to start working about term and team chemistry. So what did he do? He brought in um, Shane Gottespierre, who, granted, they were playing basically a high school team, but looked really good for his first game with the Canes with, you know, a day's practice under his belt. Um, Brent Burns, who has really just really come alive again this year, has said, you know, Carolina expects a lot of their defensemen. It's not an easy place for defensemen to play. There's a lot you are responsible for. They expect you to do it their way. So for the ghost to come in and have, I mean, he looked pretty seamless. Like I said, the level of competition wasn't there. We'll find out in four hours or so um, how he looks today. But he slid right in. And the move he put on the power play, the, the goal that he scored, was exactly the kind of thing that they're looking for. So now he has to do it against an NHL defense. Um, as as you mentioned, Sam, uh, Jesse Pugliarvi is is trying to get his work visa. So they're hoping to see him on Tuesday in Montreal. That trade should come as a surprise to no one. It doesn't necessarily address the need this year. And I don't think it was meant to. But he he, he asked out of Edmonton in 2019. Four years ago, he's been trying to leave. And in four years, Don Waddell has been trying to get him to Carolina. So, uh, yes, he is not, you know, that that's not a move for this year, although it helps us this year a little bit. Um, that's a going forward. Uh, Quickie is up, I think, as a UFA at the end of the year. You're going to need a third-line right winger potentially if he doesn't resign. And, yes, he's probably that guy. As, as a common scenario, in a best case, oh, my gosh, this is – you know, Don Waddell playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. Is he the top five draft pick? He and Aho and, and Patrick Line just smoked everybody at Worlds as a team. And we haven't seen that from Yesi in in the NHL. And some guys it just d- doesn't translate. But what if he comes in with with you know the four other fans that we have and he feels at home and he doesn't have the pressure of Edmonton and the way that they I don't want to say they misused him, but he's, you know, he's 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 in the dry sidle, you know, McDavid shadow up there, right? We've seen players come to Carolina and get out from under that kind of burden and all of a sudden just take off. You know, Yaspiri Kokaniemi, 
slow start to the year. He's playing like a second line center now. I mean, look at just look at his last dozen games or so. He's he's starting to get it. It's he's young. Like he's it's gonna take time. Uh Puyarvi, I, I think is another one who could fit that mold. So I'm not ecstatic. Um I'm as a I'm as upset that New Jersey got Meyer than that we didn't, if that makes sense, because it just makes them better. They're also really young. The Hurricane, I mean, they got Meyer because they needed him to compete with the Canes. That's a good thing. The New York Rangers went out and got, you know, Patrick Kane. They went out and got uh Tarasenko. Uh, Tarasenko, thank you. Because they knew they weren't good enough to beat the Canes as is, much less Boston. They were, I mean, I'm kind of throwing Boston out there as, you know, let's just see what happens in the playoffs. But those teams made those acquisitions because they knew they weren't going to be able to compete. So the Hurricanes with three games worth of, of Max Pacioretty are still the second best team in the league. So there's no reason to fret. Everybody calm down. I was upset at the trade that everybody is. So uh, if you're on social media and you're upset by comments people made about what you know Don Waddell did or didn't do, brush it on the rug. You know, I've said a million times, you know, don't ask me about a game right after the game because I'm on an emotional kick, whether it's high or low. Ask me 24 hours later when I've had time to think about things and, and take a deep breath. And no groundbreaking moves. You know, Don said he was going to be aggressive. I think he probably was aggressive on Meyer, but he didn't say I'm going to be aggressive to the point of, you know, just make it a move. Excuse me. So I'm in the camp. I, I don't feel great about our trade deadline, but I don't feel bad about it either. I think we picked up a couple pieces. I think we're a better team than we were a week ago. And that's the important part, right? It's 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 incrementally baby steps. I do agree with the folks that at some point in the near window, because and next year might be that window because you got some big UFAs after next year. At some point, you got to go all in, you know, and now maybe all in means you get patches back and he stays healthy for 82 games plus playoffs, which would be phenomenal. I mean, you know, it, don't think of the trade deadline as having been last Friday. Think of the trade trade deadline as having been in October 1st, right? He picked up Brent Burns for nothing. He picked up Max Pacioretty for nothing. In the preseason, we thought we got Collin for nothing. We were super excited. And that's, you know, Collins had had a rough year. But if if you would have told me that today, like, you know, oh, we traded for Brent Burns on Friday and and the ghost and um and you know bison king, I'd be like, Oh, that that's a pretty good haul for a trade deadline. The fact that we picked up Burns months ago is kind of irrelevant to me. The fact is he's on the team and he's having a phenomenal year. So um, that's my super long take on uh, the trade. And I'm going to go a little bit uh, slightly more negative. And, and this is why. Waddell and everyone in the league knew that the Hurricanes were missing something. They were missing that finisher, someone who could put the puck in the net and make this team just better and it's the reason why we were ousted in the second round because we didn't have that sniper who could who could finish the job and he made a masterful move in getting patches and as he said numerous times getting patches is like our deadline deal 
he was the guy that we were going to need in the very end to be the sniper to get us over the hump two achilles injuries later and we still have the same problem we don't have that one guy who could really finish and there were players uh, and and further to that kk wasn't on fire as he was in the expected 2c position so everyone wanted to look for that 2c now you all know or anyone that listens to this podcast knows I was all in on Bo Horvat. Whatever it took, if we got Bo Horvat, he was the guy. Not only is he ridiculously talented and having a great year, but he plays the game the way, like he is a leader through and through. And he plays hard every night. He was just the perfect position. Islanders sweep them away. And now it's like, okay, those sort of things happen, right? We can't make other teams make the deal that we want. That it, There's two sides, like Brad had said, and, and Sam, you had said too. And so you look down the line and you see these other uh, great players who fill the positions that we need, like Tarasenko, like O'Reilly, like Meyer, all of these great players end up going to teams in the East, thereby closing the gap in talent on this hurricane squad greatly. And at the same time, keeping us from fixing our problem. You ask the question, what was the hurricanes problem to start the season? Until we got patches in the lineup, we didn't have a finisher or a second line center. Okay. He comes back for three days and gets injured. Now we're moving to the deadline. We still have the same problem. Have we fixed the problem that we have? We're a great team playing super well. But has that problem been addressed? And it wasn't. Now. That's, that's tough. We are still a fantastic team. Make no mistake. You'll never find someone who cheers harder for this team than I do. And how desperately I want them to, in the face of my own opinion, I want them to make me look like a complete moron by filling with these depth players make that be the difference and the Canes winning the cup. I would love that. And I'll be happy to raise my hand and shout from the rooftops. I'm a moron. And you all may think I am that anyway, but nevertheless, I, I just, I look at this and on the surface, I'm sorry, the problem, we still have the same problem. We still have the same problem. So am I happy we have depth? Yes. Am I happy with this team? Always. Um, well, almost always. Uh, but here it is. Like, we we need to put up or shut up. And at the start of this season, I said, if we do not make it to the cup final, this season is a failure. 
end of story. I'm not interested in being like the Leafs fans who have a team that has been great for years and can't get past the first round. Nor do I wish to be like the Avalanche who had the same problem, never getting past the second round until they finally won. I don't want that. I love that we're a great team every year, but what are we playing for? We're playing for the cup. At some point, you have to push in and take a risk. So that's my diatribe. I apologize. <laughs> you know, I apologize. We've got a big game tonight. Huge game. Because we're taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning, who yesterday made a show of putting some of their best players, probably their very best players, Kucherov, uh, it was Point, and it was Stamkos, who sat the entire third period because they stunk. They were minus six after two periods, and Cooper threw down the gauntlet and said, you boys are staying on the bench the whole time. Everyone knew it. How angry are they going to be coming into Raleigh today? This is going to be a tough, tough contest. Uh, Sam, what what do you think? What are we looking at today? Um, Well, obviously, you know, looking at Tampa Bay, they're going to be angry after that loss to the Sabres. And I mean, who wouldn't after the way that they played? Uh, But looking at how the Canes are going to be feeling, they're coming off of a good win, albeit, like Brad said, against like a college team, essentially. And, you know, with Go to Spare, they're definitely going to be looking at some real competition for the first time and you know the games before that that Carolina played uh two tough losses they they were not they were not pretty you know at all and it was a tough effort but they're coming they're finally coming back to Raleigh for a a decent chance I'm mostly just really Carolina has a tendency to play really well against the teams that they should be playing well against and lose to the teams that they shouldn't be losing against. So I feel like today's game is going to be competitive and it's going to be good. You know, fingers crossed. Um, we lost to a team like this. It was, uh, it was like I said, the Rangers at home. And that was, you know, again, another tough loss. I'm hoping it doesn't go that way. But I'm really, I'm curious to see, you know, how they're going to bounce back in that regard from, in the face of a team like Tampa Bay, you know, Stanley Cup finalists, pretty 37-win team. I mean, they're not. They're definitely not bad no matter how they played, you know, uh, last time. But I, I'm mostly I'm, I'm, I'm mostly interested to see about uh, Go to Spare is going to play on the defensive end. And um, if Freddie Anderson's back in goal, I'm also really anticipating that because he's not been – I don't think he's been quite as – I don't think he's been quite as good as Kane, the Canes have wanted him to be recently, and that's a very that's an incendiary opinion that I like to hold, but that's just me. So I'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Brad, what do you think? So one, I don't like Kucherov coming in mad because he's already kind of a dirty guy anyway, so that's just worse. But to the people who are worried about him, you know, sitting for twenty minutes. My response is, well, last year they sat him for like nine months before they let him play a game. So <laughs> we should be used to this. Well played, sir. Well played. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a big one, right? This is this is kind of the calm before the storm week. You get Tampa Bay, who's a good team. Then you have, uh, I think it's Montreal and Philly uh, before you then take on the Knights again, the Devils, the Rangers twice. You know, Oof. so 
look at it next week. This this week's a cakewalk, you know, compared so, to what's coming. Yeah, but compared to what's coming. So, you know, look the the boys need to play their game, right? Stick to the strategy. Um, hope that the ghosts can help on the power play. If if the power play, kind of to your point earlier, Ray, and kind of the counter argument is, we needed a finisher. But if we now have a power play person who can get the power play going, the second power play unit. Okay, well, now they're scoring power play points. That's been one of the big, big defects all year. If they can get that going, we're in much better shape. They're also winning without Andrei Sveshnikov scoring goals. He scored two goals, I think, the whole this whole year since 2023, right? He's still getting assists, but, you know, his actual goal production is just dried up, which is fine for me because they're still winning. Now, you know, once mid-April comes, I want to see that kid producing. But, you know, this is this is going to be... This is going to be a litmus test of sorts, but it's also going to be um, the go second game with Carolina. We still have Pugliarvi. So I'm not too worried about this one. I, I think they'll play fine. You know, the next couple of games, like I said, you have easier contests. But as, as Sam said, they have for years tended to play down to the competition. And you just never know what you're going to get. But then starting Saturday, you're going to see what this team is made of. So. This week is, is like I said, a kind of a breather week for the boys. But starting Saturday, you're going to have a much better idea of what the playoffs might be looking like uh, as you try and get out of the Metro. And my only concern about today is that uh, franchise history, not with us. They are 0-2 uh, against the Lightning on March 5th. And that's a little specific for an unusual reason really doesn't mean anything to anyone other than me and i'm just gonna leave it there let's hope that they get a win today especially that's really what i'm looking for uh just to turn the balance now brad look i know we have to get this in here we're getting ready to wrap things up and we spoke momentarily about uh yoder kochetkov earlier sam you were telling us how they're trying to direct you in to get the interview and stuff it would have been great to interview him in manitoba eve i think you probably could have figured out what he was trying to say even though he can't speak a lick of english brad i know you love him and you're like we need to talk about this fire away uh in case you have no access to any forms of media ever um, and have been under a rock and have been under a rock and asleep and whatever else Pyotr Kuchetkov goalie goal for the wolves the other night a shorty followed, <laughs> followed by and and the celebrate if you haven't seen the celebration we'll retweet it again he skates to the bench he skates to the other players he was so excited and it's not to know this kid and having met this kid, it's not an in-your-face kind of thing. He's just generally super excited, right? I think they were playing Manitoba, who, or sorry, was that who it was? It I was. Mean, it was uh, absolutely Manitoba Moose. Yeah. They took clear offense to what happened, jumped him in his own goal. So then he gets in a fight. He got thrown out of the game. I don't think it was for the fight though, because he, I mean, he clearly got jumped. I think I think he got thrown out for for John at the ref because he. Piotr is not a kid who's going to like let things go. I mean, you could see it in the video. He was hot. Uh, yeah. The only thing he needed would have been an assist for a Gordie Howe hat trick. 
Uh, wouldn't um, that in, have been in something? In lieu of that, they gave him the first <laughs> star, and he got to come back on the ice for that. So, uh, Pyotr Kochekov, uh, we miss you, kid. Uh, you have helped turn the Wolves season around, uh, along with Captain Max Bourgeois. Uh, you guys have been playing phenomenal hockey since you got back down there. We can't wait to see you back in Raleigh, uh, most likely next year. But yeah, it, the excitement on Peter's face when he scored the goal certainly rivaled his interview with Hannah on the bench. You know, when he yep. skated over, he's like, oh, no, no, I'm going to do this interview. I'm, I'm good to go. I mean, just pure joy for the love of hockey. Uh, it is impossible not to like that kid. And and I just wanted to take a minute to, to just say all that. Worth every I mean, worth every second for sure. Go ahead, Sam. If he had, if I mean, if if I were there and I was interviewing him and he had spoken to me in Russian, I would have printed it anyway. I would have told the audience to translate it for themselves. <laughs> exactly. Incredible. It was it was so great. We have had an absolutely fantastic show. And Sam, I have to tell you, uh, this has been a great one. And you're so very insightful in your comments. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best in your future. I know you have a future in, in broadcasting, in journalism. I, I, you can see it, the effort, the knowledge that you've shared. It's young, but that fire is there. And I can see you succeeding greatly. So thank you so much for joining us in the Storm Cellar. You're fantastic. Thanks, guys. And I hope that I can gain, you know, being a relatively recent Kaniac, I just am looking to gain even more knowledge throughout all of this. Even if I don't end up becoming a reporter one day, then it'll be still great, great. Um, well, around that locker room, you could start out with, you know, I was kind of named after Sammy Kapanen. I mean, that's that's a foot in the door for Ooh. any of the old school guys there, right? I need to tell Rod that one time I was in the elevator with him, and I just I just did not mention it that I I got it because they played together. Yeah, they they yep. did play together, so I got I got to yeah I got to mention it to him sometime. Absolutely, there you go, hundred percent. He's one of the few individuals. As he gets older, I honestly think he's more intimidating. Like you look he's at him as a player. Scary physically and all but now that he's older with like the the salt and pepper hair and everything like i'm like yeah I, i'm more scared of him now than i would have been 10 years ago i'm yeah. also a little scared of him really nice yeah. guy but a little bit scary no question I, for me it would be it would be uh more shame for me because you go to him and you thank him for giving such a work ethic culture and making sure the guys are in tip-top shape and he's in tip-top shape and i'd say all of that and then look at myself and go yeah you want to be my health coach like i'd (laughs) see if you can make some extra money that way this has been a great program sam thank you so much brad we've we've covered a lot and we it's been great great show it's been a fantastic show. We've covered everything, but I know deep down there is something missing. Um, yeah, little help. I'm a little fuzzy. I'm 52 now, so. Oh, and I hope you don't mind. Ha- happy birthday, old timer. Thanks, man. I needed it. I say so, that as a as a young 40 something. <laughs> that's right. Well, look, I, and this is why I need that victory today because we got to change the change the record against the lightning on this day let's do it today birthday dubs for raymond go canes go canes Canes. 
Thank you everyone for tuning in. Ray and I greatly appreciate your support in helping us produce an informative and fun podcast. As always, we'd like to say that we believe hockey is for everyone. Whether you're a caniac or a bunch of jerks doesn't matter, as we're just a couple of jerks anyway. We would love to hear your questions, comments, and suggestions. We will do our best to answer anything hockey-related. You can reach us by email at stormseller97 at gmail.com. On Twitter, we are at stormseller97. And on Facebook at facebook.com slash stormseller97.